Hello, and welcome to Resolve, an after-play show. This is an after-show for a role-playing game that does not have an actual play, where we tell you all the details of our game so you don't have to listen to it. I'm Sammy, I'll be your host. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Asiri Amoli, the mermaid. Joining me today is my wonderful co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. I use he, him pronouns. I also play Moogle Mercenary Smog and his companion, Juice. Both use he, him pronouns. We are joined today by Carolyn. Hello, I'm Carolyn, pronoun she, her. I play the plucky pony pony with an I. She is a magical creature who has yet to reach her full potential. Welcome. Thank you guys for joining us today. Now that we're all here, Alex, why don't you tell us about the actual play? Previously, in a feat, the party meets the girl who called to them, Susie. Geyser puts on a magical display for her, and with Smog's guidance, Pony tries to upstage her. Susie, confused by Athenos being between an animal and a human, transforms into a ladybug, and back. Tara turns the party, sends Athenos, to the lab, with another teleportation orb. They give a rundown to Aura, and Smog promises to pass along Juice's camera footage. The party returns, and Susie leads them to the Church of the River Delta. Isiri tries to summon the spirit worship there, but instead summons visions from the area. Smog tries to use stop on Isiri, but she resists. She also notices a strange figure mark the door with an X outside. The visions cease. Father Shade, the church leader, enters and introduces himself. Geyser destroys the door and feels as if she let something in. Tauri makes the door, but transparent. Susie leads the party into her cabin for a snack. They find Susie's pa still sleeping in his bed. Asiri tries to wake him magically. He sits upright and screams about a beast. And that was the actual play as I saw it. Anything to add to that? Nope, that sounds like it covered a bit of everything. So let's get into the details of it. Let's do a deep dive into the session. So right off the bat, we are welcomed into the world of spirit, which is a very swamp-like, mire, lurky sort of place. And we get the voice in our heads introducing us that this is, in fact, the world of spirit. How did everyone feel about such an ominous entrance? Dan made sure that we knew it was, like, not a voice, but like a vision of the words, which is even more strange to me. It was definitely spookier than our previous warp travels. Yeah, none of the fanfare when we're just electro-orbing around Crystallis. But we're right off the bat greeted by a very plucky and cute little girl, Susie, who is a ladybug and also a girl. Not sure if that's like, everyone in this world is like an anamorph for what's going on. <laughs> for a split second, I thought Dan was going to do a miraculous ladybug thing, but I don't think it went in that direction. I don't, I don't think he's ever seen that show, so... <laughs> I might have influenced you with that by putting in a Miraculous Ladybug gif. <laughs> One of the many gifs that, that I drop in chat while we're playing. Dee is a little more on that than me because I'm also taking notes. Dee is so fast with the <laughs> But yeah, no Miraculous Ladybug thing going on. But we do have someone else who transformed into an animal. So maybe everybody is an Animorph. You're right. 
yeah, we have yet to meet more denizens of the population of these Church of the Change followers. It seems likely that maybe everybody here has some sort of capacity. Although, when we went to go deal with Pa, it, they didn't describe him in a fashion, so maybe he just neglected to do that. I'm not sure. I was going to ask, like, if your character could turn into an animal, what would they be? But that doesn't make sense with most of us. So, like, if your character had a human form, what do you think they would be like? I don't know why, but I like some sort of mall. Not like a teen, because the series older than a teenager, but like the stereotype late 90s, early 2000 mall, per kid that hangs out at the mall. Pony would be a 4'10", mousy-haired jock. She would be like on the lacrosse team or the field hockey team or something like that. Just she has a lot of energy and her small body cannot contain it all. <laughs> Literal horse girl. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess Smog might also be kind of short. I wanted him to be like, I don't know why I'm thinking in high school terms. I think it's because you gave me the mall thing, but I'm thinking like very mall goth, mall emo, like very thin, wearing very baggy clothing because I don't know, that just seems like his sense of fashion. Would we all hang out in the food court? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> outside the Sabero's pizza, which I've never seen outside of a mall. If we were doing my interstitial where we had to start in some sort of sitcom, we would be like the mall rats set up. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. <laughs> Man, I'm thinking like, what would anyone else look like? Towie already had like a pretty decent in-between. Yeah. I guess like we haven't seen Tau full dragon yet. That's true. I feel like Athena's would also be on the jock side of the spectrum. He'd be the coach. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm not sure what Geyser would be other than maybe like a scene kid or something. <laughs> I, don't... Well, I feel like Geyser also doesn't have a ton of animalistic qualities. So like, what animal could Geyser be? Would you consider a clown an animal, which some people do, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a clown is not a person, to be fair. They are a character. Yeah, I can't really think of a good animal for geyser to transform into the only thing that comes to mind is clownfish but i feel like that's the easy way oh that'd be cute (laughs) (laughs) none of us actually really operate like that but i guess for some reason athenos was the only one who didn't pass the sniff test well she was also i believe if i remember dan said that she was looking at both athenos and osiri because they're both sort of halfway in between they're they have humanoid qualities but they're also animalistic in some way we're both, like, the outliers in whatever worldview this child has. Which, to be fair, she's a little girl, so she hasn't experienced a lot. And also, it sounds like these people haven't experienced much otherwise, so. Right. And Tao's more at that, like, cat person level where they just have a couple elements where it looks like it could be costuming. Smog almost looks completely like a rabbit with some other strange qualities. We set off with Susie, and we sort of started heading towards exploring the town, but Tao sort of 180s us and goes back into the portal, which attempts to suck us all back into the world of Crystallis and the lab with Aura and the captain and all that. Athanos, using his godly powers, resists and stays in the world of spirit, but everyone else either chooses to go back or fails their role to resist going back. Yeah, Pony tried to resist, but it just wasn't in the cards for her. I made a Siri not resist because I had a feeling that 
she's very at the ebb and flow of things. So if she feels like she needs to go somewhere or something's pulling her, I feel like she would just go. So I didn't even try. I just had her go along with everybody. So yeah, we did a push through stress for that. And I think Smog and Juice were the only other one that succeeded. I did not choose to succeed at what I was attempting from the list because I wanted to play the like push and pull between Juice wanting to be there and Smog being like, you need to let go. So instead I asked like, what do we see while we're trying to get back, like while we're being pulled there. So we also learned that we're being sent through the weird space that Smog found last time, that Smog drug everyone to with his teleportation beefed up by Athenos last time. Saw a little bit of that again. What does Smog think about that? I think he's mostly upset that the humans don't seem to understand what's going on right now. Like, he said something to them about it as immediately after coming out, and everybody was like... I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He's like, we're being routed through this your your weird space we came into last time, and then nothing. Yeah, because but they were blinded when we went through Smog's little portal for it. They couldn't comprehend mm-hmm. whatever the heck was going on, so they just have no point of reference. So that's both frustrating and interesting. <laughs> I wonder if Juice's cam got any of that stuff. I wonder if we can we can mine that more later with Dan. Ooh, you should write that down. That's, that's a good idea. <laughs> I want to talk about the spirits that Asiri was able to see, those shadowy figures who made the X on the church door. So Asiri was the only one who could see those, correct? Yeah, because she was in the middle of some communication ritual with whatever spirit holds dominion of this location. We're not quite sure what that is if or if it is something tangible, but it did show her a vision of basically everything of the life cycles going on in the swamp. And then at the very end, this shadowy figure encroaches upon the building, the church they're in, and leaves a mark of an X on the door. And when everyone goes out to look at it again, it's not there. And then she's like, that doesn't make any sense. What is going on here? Maybe the X is also a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> It has to be some kind of magic. It has to be, like, magic or ghost ectoplasm or maybe, like, I don't know, time travel, something like that, something wild. I I think you're on the right page there, because whenever Dan described whatever entity it was, it was invisible. It made a Siri feel very cold and uncomfortable, like bone-chilling, so ghostly. And then it has the capacity to, like, rush by at super high speeds, like like a breeze of cold air goes by geyser at one point. So it it could be, like, a ghost or a malevolent spirit, something to that nature. I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah, it seems like a consequence of geyser busting open the door might have been that thing just coming inside the church, which doesn't seem good. No. (laughs) It could be good for Geyser. I mean, their whole point is they get more power when other people are angry. Maybe Geyser's gone and pissed off a ghost. Maybe Geyser can draw power from that. The question is, is a ghost a people? Hmm. That is a good question, though. They were potentially a person at one point, but that doesn't mean they are still a person that Geyser could feed from now. Oh, no. So Geyser could have made something angry, and it would have had negative consequences. Oh, geez. Making somebody angry giving negative consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of making people angry, Assyria made Smog very angry. I think I've drilled the point home now that Smog is not in favor of summoning creatures that, I don't know, aren't normally in physical existence there. Saw Assyria 
doing the forbidden art and the only reason he did not immediately shoot her <laughs> was that they had a light link or that he had a light link with her so it's like all right i'm giving you the benefit of the doubt you might be making an ask here you might not be telling something or forcing something to be here and then it went very poorly and he's like well this is a consequence and i need to stop it what do you mean poorly you don't want to be flashbanged with visions of untellable knowledge <sighs> no <laughs> A serious, like, oh, this is just a normal conversation. I'm really glad that Athenis didn't say anything about that, because Smog's point was like, there's things that we're not supposed to know as mortals, and I feel like if Athenis was like, oh, I also didn't understand that, he would have just been completely dejected. That would have been really funny. Oh, I need to ask Dex uh, what, what Athenos' opinion on all of that was, because they were having some technical issues during that, so I wonder what Athenos was actually thinking about at that point in time. That is a good question. I have another quick question. For how long was Athenos left alone? Because when the rest of the squad went back through the portal, Aurora and the others on the other side said they were only gone for three seconds, but it felt like more than three seconds for them. I think it was a very brief time is what Dan said. He didn't specify an exact length, but it wasn't terribly long. I'm thinking it's like D&D... Fey realm rules where the time is just wibbly wobbly. We don't always get a one to one. It's gooey. Because, yeah, it seemed like when we were coming back, it was much shorter because they said it was three seconds and we were talking for a little bit. And then when we went there again, it seemed like more time had passed for us talking to the scientists than Athenos playing around. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a flux state where it kind of depends where you are relative to the time stream. <laughs> relativity it could also have something to do with being passed through whatever that thing was yeah oh true i forgot about that i mean since my explanation for for my interstitial games was everything's digitized i'm wondering if i don't know we're being passed through some sort of digital space or something that's why it's so blank and weird be. It could be just like the very fabric of space-time, too, and we're just yeah. not smart enough to comprehend it. <laughs> the It's the whooshing going on in Doctor Who in the background when they're in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of Smug hopping in where he's not needed, did some more goading with Pony when Geyser was trying to put on some tricks. Yeah, so Pony successfully made a water fountain. Geyser was doing this whole blowing bubbles with swamp water, and Pony was getting jealous. So she was able to do a little bit of magic, which was brand spanking new for her. In doing that, this is the first time Pony's done actual magic in her life, correct? Correct, yes. So how does she feel about that? Does she feel like that's part of herself or is it just a consequence of whatever weird warp travel or being in proximity to a Thanos or how is she mentally justifying what's going on? Pony thinks it's all her baby. She's thinking, okay, finally, I am going on my hero's journey. I am unlocking what was inside myself this whole time. I just needed that final push through a stressful situation and do what I always should have been able to have done. Has she clocked the way that Smog's like pushing her? Because the first time he's like, imagine pushing your enemy down the stairs with the wind next time. And then this time he's like, do this 
to rival Geyser's display? Not quite. She is not picking up on those insidious undertones. So her her relationship to actual magic is very limited. She doesn't have a lot of frame of reference, but she just kind of thinks you're one of those eccentric wizards from a tower she's heard about. She doesn't really have the social skills to pick up on like how you're kind of goading her using negative emotions rather than like positive ones. I'm so interested to see if this ever like blows up in Smog's face or like something terrible comes out of this. I'm excited to see where this particular sort of mastery relationship goes with these characters. Oh, my dark pupil. (laughs) (laughs) And also like both of us having, I think now locked dark links with Geyser is really fun. Yes. Geyser is definitely a nice little rival for Pony. They have the whole, like we came from the circus rivalry going on, but like Geyser was one side of the circus and Pony's another side of the circus. And Geyser is like super duper good at magic and Pony. That's all Pony wants is to be good at magic because she feels like that's what she should have been her whole life, and that was taken from her. And then here's guys are just doing whatever they want, whatever whenever they want. Yeah, it's certainly been a little... I mean, it's intentional because guys are just here to gum up the, the gears a little bit, but they've, they've certainly got in the way of <laughs> trying to understand the, what the hell is going on with this dark spirit thing, which is great. I mean, she did try to help before... We left the church and went to go get snacks. She tried to glitter bomb the entire area to see if it landed on something physical that would reveal whatever the spirit is. But it's a spirit without a like tangible form. So nothing came out of that. I think that lands us back into the ghost pile, doesn't it? If nothing adhered to glitter, which sticks to everything. The only explanation is ghosts. I mean, it wasn't all bad. At least she prettied up that broken down old church. <laughs> by yeah. giving it a temporary AC system or by bombing it with glitter? Both. I was mostly talking about <laughs> glitter, but AC is good. She did roast everybody, though. <laughs> yeah, we had to run outside. There's a lot of geyser magic that I couldn't fit in the summary at the top. She flew the people who couldn't fly in with balloons to the church. Her magic was like making a little mucky bubble of Susie. Is there any other big geyser magic that I'm forgetting? They summoned an HVAC system with a thermostat to heat up the church to get everybody outside of the building. And then, yeah, the, the glitter bomb was the last one. Oh, they also did the, the wind tornado at the end with, like, a direct blast of air at an apple tree that apparently is continually going. Yeah, it's just moving on out there, and we don't know what consequences that's going to have. Well, I can't wait to see. <laughs> Can a ghost avoid a tornado? If they can avoid glitter, sure. Certainly depends on the ghost, I'd wager. Yeah. Unless we make like a Sharknado, Ghostnado sort of thing, if that's happening. We have to gather a lot of ectoplasm for that. That's that's a lot of ecto-cooler. I don't think we have that much. (laughs) Though I do think I have Haunted Fruit Punch, now that I think about it. It is that time of year. It is. Though I've had this for years. I should be saying it is. I should be saying it, it is that time of year when we're recording this. That time of year, I mean, the beginning of September, <laughs> the beginning of Spookoween, and by Spookoween, <laughs> I mean every day of my life. <laughs> we we did investigate this church, and like as we said, we were in contact with the spirit thing, 
But shortly after Asiri summoned all these visions and everybody, the caretaker of the church, Father Shade, comes out and sort of... Not, they don't really question us, I guess. They, they ask, like, where we're from and, like, if we're travelers or whatever. I don't really know what his angle is. Maybe I'm just thinking too much of, like, Midnight Mass sort of thing. But I, I don't quite trust him. But I, I, or a Siri, rather. I don't think they quite trust them, but they are the authority here. So they're worth listening to, at least from her perspective. Yeah, for Smog, it's more like, oh, these people are actually in tune with their environment and seem to care about it, perhaps because they have these animal forms. So he has a more positive view on both Susie and Father Shade. But also with Father Shade, he's more thinking like, uh, I can help guide this man of belief because I know even more what's going on than he is because that's my my place in society. So I'll, I'll be able to teach him more later. With Susie, it's more like, oh, interesting, humans might actually have some way to access a feeling of belonging in their environment if something changed. So the smog consider humans just so far gone from the environment they're a part of that they can't even possibly connect? It's almost just a truth in his world. Things went horribly wrong. He never got to see what happened with the heroes of his world after he left, after they fought him and defeated him. Yeah, there's there's never been a good model of a human in his world, in his eyes at least. Pony can relate to that because she also has not had any positive experiences with humans. Yeah, Siri's sort of forming all of these ties now because this is their first time interacting with people. They've heard stories of people of what they're like, but they've never had like a face-to-face until now. So they're not quite sure what to think about that perspective. As far as she concerned is everyone and everything is a part of their environment. You are made from this world. You are a part of this world. So for her to make that distinction, I think she's going to have to see something pretty drastic before she can understand that. I think there will be plenty of opportunities for that in other worlds. I don't think this is one of them where that sort of aspect of humanity is going to dawn on the Siri. Yeah, I would agree with that. These people seem pretty chill, all things considered, (laughs) because they're part animal. Yeah, it almost feels like whatever the spirit is, is not of their own making. Granted, we've had all of a couple hours with them, so... Yeah. Maybe maybe Dan will dig us uh, some deeper lore to figure out what's going on here, but it seems like it's not their fault that whatever is attacking them is attacking them. And it seems like a new thing because Father Shade was not very confident about what Assyria was describing to him. So he's like, oh, let me go check in the archives. Why don't you guys go get a snack? <laughs> hey, here's something that is a little sick and twisted. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the background when we failed roles earlier, and we don't really know what the consequences are of that yet. Oh yeah, Dan said those were coming later. Yeah, what if we brought a baddie with us? That's entirely possible. I mean, we did, we brought smog, but... (laughs) 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 But yeah, we could have definitely opened a rift somewhere, or whenever Aura and the, the scientists did manage these portals, they could have the connection could have let in maybe some ghost in the mainframe, as it were. Maybe that's why we're having trouble connecting to it. But at the same time, we're not of this world, so we're pretty easy to interact with everything. So it's kind of weird why it isn't affecting us, but it is still allowing non-corporeal entities. Interesting. That's a weird way to look at it. Although Dan did tell me out of character or out of game that we did pick the weirdest world first, so who knows? <laughs> Ooh, okay. 
<laughs> I don't know what that means. That's all he said. But it is apparently the strangest one, at least from like an operational standpoint. I mean, we had some of our characters with the like strongest forces of personality being like, I really need the stink. So I don't think there was another option. We're pretty smelly as a group. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. I am a fish. <laughs> and Pony was raised in a barn, so, you know. It smells like home. It smells like home. And Juice is just like... <laughs> <laughs> but what do you guys think of Father Shade? At least from the five minutes we've talked to him. He definitely has secrets. I don't know what those secrets are, but he has them. I, mean, I talked a little bit about Smog Feels, but personally, I think... He's either a red herring or potentially a decent source of, like, this world's lore. I don't think that he's the beast or necessarily, like, directly related to it. I think he knows more about the beast than what he's letting on. Or, like, he might call the beast something else and he might not understand, like, that what it is we're looking for. I'm personally more curious to see what exactly the role of this church is because it's made out to be the center part of this village. So it's pretty pivotal to this society. Church that change, obviously these people change forms. So there's probably some connection there. There might be some sort of orientation ritual where people get their animal forms at after completing X ritual, trial, etc. But I think there's something else there because it's in the middle of a river delta. It's, the symbol is a delta symbol, which is not an insignificant icon to be using here. There's, I think there's something more to that. Yeah, not just as change, but as a strange relationship to party members, considering that we have a character named Tau, considering Athenos as a god and of Greek origin. There's something that's close to, we probably feel familiar with, couple of our characters here but it's not quite their world yeah things have been twisted what do y'all think about Susie? she sounds so cute i would be so heartbroken if she turned out to be evil all she wants is her dad to wake up baby i was like oh you are a ladybug and i'm in love with you (laughs) i was instantly struck when dan mentioned in her human form she had a headband with palms i was like why is there a connection to smog already here? That's really weird. And what a weird connection to make. Someone else has palms. But I guess you're supposed to be like her little ladybug eyes. Antenna, yeah. Do ladybug have? I, I am not familiar enough with what ladybug look like, I guess. They are insects, so they do have antenna. Okay, yeah, I see now. Definitely antenna, but nothing like ball-like at the end. But a cute touch still. Yeah, I mean, she's a little girl. She's only three feet tall, so she's probably, what, like between eight to nine years old, something like that. Yeah. She's not terribly old, but she's got a little capelet that has the ladybug dots on it. Mm-hmm. Very cute, very sweet, obnoxiously friendly, as you would expect a little little outgoing girl at that age to be. I don't know, there's something about her that feels like, maybe because I just want to make this connection with Tao, because Tao is a little bit based on Tiki from Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and the different forms of Tiki across Fire Emblem are these like dragons who are very long lived, but they sleep a lot so that they only actually age mentally in human time. It's sort of that like ancient little girl thing, but done so that it matches the time experience of humans. So it's not quite as creepy. 
<laughs> I wonder if there could be something going on like that with this little girl. Like she's actually incredibly wise or long lived and she's just looks like a little girl for some reason. Something spooky going on there. That would be interesting. So far, I haven't seen a lot of proof of that, but I, I definitely see what you're talking about. There's a lot of that, a little like uncanny sort of energy about her. She's like way too forward. Yeah, she's not afraid of strangers enough. Yeah, I guess this town doesn't seem like it never has visitors. Like when we went to Father Shady's, like, oh, you must have found us on a map. Yeah, there's a traveling circus that's in town too. Yeah, so. It's not weird that there are travelers there. People seem to like us. So I don't know, something, it makes it feel like something nice must be going on the side that they're not just uh, hostile toward outsiders right away, especially Susie seeing people who, does, who don't fit her conventions of what people should look like. Which is pleasant. But if, if, if the beast corrupts Susie, I will kill everybody in this room. <laughs> no! She's too precious. I, I refuse to allow anything to happen to her. I'm still crunching on what the hell the beast could be. I think it's funny that Dan was like, could not recall over the garden wall when he was saying the beast exactly the same way. He's like, the beast, the beast. Yeah, uh, later uh, towards the end of the session, we go back to Susie's paused cabin. He is knocked unconscious on the bed and nothing will wake him up. So Asiri tries to magically heal slash awaken him with music. And it works for a couple of seconds, and he's screaming about the beast, and that's where we cut off for the game that day. But the the beast could be the shadow thing, it could be something greater, who knows? I think it's a bit too straightforward for the beast to be the shadow thing. I think maybe the shadow thing, well, the shadow thing has to have some connection to the beast, but I don't think it's straight up the beast. It would be like an emissary or like a minor form or something. Wow, now that I'm thinking about it, the, the beast in Over the Garden Wall also has a connection with, like, sleep and showing people demented dreams. I think he, like, tortures Greg by making him do a bunch of ridiculous puzzles until he finally gives in to his melancholy, but he's too much of a plucky young child to to submit. I don't know, I'm seeing a lot of parallels with Over the Garden Wall, even though Dan was, like, reminded of it there. I think it's it, it's seeping in. Yeah, it could be subconscious. Like, I know he's watched it. We've watched it together. So it may not be a conscious decision. It, <laughs> it's also just... God, God, that we could, we could make an entire podcast about that show. But like, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot going on in that series that really dips into some metaphysical stuff that we're seeing in the, the world of spirit as well. So that's, that's interesting. Are we dead, guys? Not really. I'm just kind of always like this now that I have to work full time. (laughs) I meant our characters, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't think our characters are just straight up dead. I feel like it would have been funny if Dan like tried to push us a little bit to get to a space where our characters could have died if he wanted that. Like, I think there could have been subtle ways to suggest that we pick stuff like that. But I don't think most of us did. I don't think Pony would be able to, like, puzzle out that she's died. I think it would have needed to be spelled out for her. Yeah, Smog could definitely have had some sort of terrible teleportation accident, especially being ported in the middle of a port. (laughs) That doesn't sound good. Plus, uh, Thanos also throws, like, a wrench into that theory, because you you may stop worshipping a god, but their power never goes away. You, You can't really truly kill a god. There's always some aspects of reverence there. 
by his playbook, if he gets too separated from people and in a, in a narrative sense, worship, he's still very vulnerable. True. If he keeps spending like a bunch of links because things aren't going his way, which I could definitely see at the NS doing, he could be in trouble at some point. Absolutely. He's been very fortunate thus far. He's had really good roles. Yeah, especially with magic. Who's the first one dead out of our party, you think? Who's the most vulnerable? It's very easy to jump to one of the memories, but I'm going to go on the left field here. I'm going to say Geyser, because I feel like they're going to eventually trip up and do irritate somebody who they can't recoil and bounce away from. Yeah, it's also the person, I guess, who has gained the most ire of the party as a whole might not get as much defense or help from them. This one, I think Asiri has a Dark Link with them. I know a lot of you have locked Dark Links with them. Yeah, Pony locked her Dark Link there. Rivals forever. Do you have any different ideas about that, Carolyn? Because I think our motivation right here is for geysers mostly social. I mean, that is a good point. I kind of thought, like, it could be Pony where she would try to, like, bite off more than she could chew and she would try to fight an enemy that she didn't really have the ability to fight and she'd get killed in battle. That's kind of, like one thing I always considered when making a character like this, who's one of those act first, think later ones, she's not really gonna consider, oh, hey, maybe there's a better way to defeat this enemy rather than going head on. No, she has to be defeated in battle. I think Smog is smart enough to avoid those sorts of situations and Juice is lucky that he's there to do that. But I also kind of built him so that he would gain an affinity for a lot of the characters, especially Pony now that he's like basically training her. So I think if Pony got in a bad situation, Smog might try to go out in front of it, but I don't think he would die because he's like built himself to live. He has that move where he has an extra harm on his clock. And once he gets down to one, he gets a plus two forward. So like he could power through if he had yeah. to toss himself in front of Pony getting in trouble. He'd also have to be near Pony when she's in trouble. If they ever got, like, separated, like how a Thanos <sighs> got left behind, that could be a problem. That could be a big problem. I was also a little worried about Assyria in general, because one of the things I told Dan at Sunup, I was like, I really want to, like, hone into this, the stigma of Sirens being just a malevolent force, even though she herself is not. I want that stereotype to be present somewhere. And also, she looks like a monster, so it's very easy for somebody who's never seen her to be like, oh my god, let me kill you because you're scary. <laughs> I think that hasn't worked out only because a lot of the other characters think of themselves, if not as monsters as well, at least powerful, in a way that they don't need to be as scared mm-hmm. of a Siri. I think Smog, on some level, knows he's a monster. I think Juice, if he had the mental capacity, probably would as well. I, I would agree with that. But yeah, but I'm, I am waiting for us to go to a world or some situation where people aren't so as accepting of strangers. So <laughs> very fortunate that our first two places were. Now that I think about it, like Pony is excitable and ready to go headlong into a situation. How intimidating does she think she is? She knows that stature-wise, she doesn't quite measure up. She likes to compensate by being really loud and really unpredictable. So she sees herself more as a sneak attacker for right now. She would rate herself 7 out of 10, but in reality, she's more like a 5 out of 10. Ooh, threat levels. 
Yeah. I was like, who's the most threatening? And then I answered my own question, a Thanos. Yeah. Big boy. Boy, and then probably smogger geyser after that. I'd say geyser. Geyser is more willing to like mess with people. Geyser very rarely wants to kill or like actually injure. She just wants to annoy slash get negative vibes from people, whereas Smog will absolutely pull the trigger. Smog is super dangerous because he has that move where he can be a small gang when doing anything physically strenuous or in combat, so he could just blast a whole group of people away without really thinking about it. And that's kind of scary. Especially with Juicer on there to help. Here's a fun question. Has Pony leveled up yet? I believe so. She leveled up once. What did you take when you leveled up? I believe I got, I sprouted from the concrete. What does that do? When a rival gets a leg up on you, spend your link with them and get an immediate 10 plus on your next roll to counter them. Ooh, that's fun. (laughs) I love that. It makes me feel like I've done a good job pushing Smog's shtick on Pony 2 for you to choose that. Oof. Your next, like, in- impactuous action against Geyser could be very, very effective. <laughs> oh, yeah, spending that Dark Link. Yes. Now that I know that Smog and Juice have their little tendrils all up in, in Pony's mind, I need to start thinking about who Smog's next target should be. S- since your relationship with Asiri changed last session, I have plans of how I want to address this. So, <laughs> I don't want to quite reveal those to you just yet, but I, I, a Siri, it will bother Asiri, because she will feel the negative vibes. Yeah. And I mean, immediately she was trying to be apologetic, and Smog was still like, no, that was horrendous, I hate you. <laughs> no! Because it's, it's a large miscommunication, right? Because... It's not summoning it's for a Siri. It's opening a bridge to talk. It's like connecting the landline for her. So she's not dragging them into the world. She's like, here's the door. Come talk to me. And most of the time they happen to do that. But for Smog, he's like, oh, no, you're dragging them into this yeah. mess. And they showed us something horrible as a punishment for it. Yeah. So that, that there needs to be a serious conversation about expectations and boundaries in the party. That always happens in role-playing games and in fiction in general. No one ever has a misunderstanding that blows up into something. Oh, no, never. But yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for us to get a little bit of, not downtime, but like maybe like a, a small break for the characters. Because right now we're dealing with whatever the fuck Pa's doing. I would like a series to have a little chit-chat with Smog at some point. I really need to relocate. There's this one Apocalypse Engine move, and I can't remember the game it's from, and I only heard it in one actual play. But it's a move for basically spending downtime. It's called Close Quarters, and it has a nice table of things that happen on different levels of success between different characters as they each make this role for downtime. And it just gives you a nice little catalog of scenes to build up and think about the characters having spent more time together and time where they weren't doing something dramatic, at least in the larger narrative. Yeah, that would be fun to mess around with. I would totally take advantage of that because I love downtime, quote-unquote downtime mm-hmm. in tabletops because that's where you, you weave your weird relationships. Yeah, it's always my favorite thing in, I don't know about every actual play that I've watched, but especially a critical role when they take a, a little beat after they're at camp or if they're in an inn and they're not planning whatever their next heist or battle is, but they're just like 
decompressing between the characters. I love those moments. I was hoping we would get that when we went to go get snacks, but apparently we're dealing with the Beast Pilgrim. So I'm sure we'll find some time later on. How does everybody feel about, I don't know, going to sleep, getting into the astral plane to go kick the Beast's butt, whatever we're going to do next? I need to determine how a series sleeps, because right now in my head it's like uh, a cetacean, whales or dolphins, and they turn off half their brain at the, at the time, so they're always conscious of what's- because they're in the ocean, you have to be aware of what's going on. So I don't know if she fully sleeps. <laughs> Do horses sleep standing up? They kind of like doze standing up. They take cat naps. They don't quite turn off like one half of their brain at a time, like cetaceans. She can nap standing up. If she needs to sleep, she's lying down. Yeah, I was just thinking like we have a couple characters who don't have the same physical needs. So Athenos, Tau, and Geyser probably don't need sleep. I don't know how we would like if we have to go fight the beast on the astral plane. How do we, how do we get them there? Are we going to have to magic them there? Probably magic them. That would be a good use of the dark portal. Yeah, I, I could see a dark portal entering the dream realm. It might bring us to the nightmare realm, though. But Well, I was know. thinking, like, Smog would go to sleep, and then in the dream, blast open a dark portal. I love that. You should write that down. That's great. <laughs> I want to see that happen regardless if the beast is a ghost or not. <laughs> Oh, man. A bunch of fun things for Dan to consider <laughs> with the mechanics of all of that. Smog also has some interesting stuff going on in his dreams that we haven't explored That's at all in game right. yet. Got, like the nightmare thing. It's godly guidance. He has visions of the Esper Alexander that tell him what he should be doing. Ah, I'm so excited to hear Dan's voice if we can get around to that soon. I want to know what Alexander is going to sound like because. It's not usually a speaking role in Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Uh, he's been talking about finding a voice modulator. I don't know if he's going to <laughs> commit to that or not. <laughs> Does Pony have any weird dream stuff going on? Not particularly. Sometimes she gets nightmares, but like nothing really of note to anyone else. What does Pony have for nightmares? A lot of her stuff from her time when she was at the breeding stable and a lot of the time when she was in the circus having to jump through flaming hoops and getting whipped if she didn't do it right. She has a touch of that PTSD. Mm. Just a touch. Makes sense. Now I'm thinking, like, what if we have a pony corruption arc and, like, when she changes playbooks, it's something where she's like a nightmare. Instead of a unicorn. Nightmare. Nightmare. Red eyes. Uh, A little baby nightmare. Little tiny evil dream horse. (laughs) That would be very cute. Still uses the headbutt, though. Primary technique. Oh, absolutely. You got a headbutt. Have you thought about, like, a long arc for Pony? Like, what might be coming up soon? Kind of. So, for Pony herself, her only goal is to get magic powers and to become uh, the unicorn she always knew she would be and if she can just fix these things about herself and reach these goals then everything else is gonna fall into place and then she's gonna have a happy ending she has no thought about what's gonna happen after her happy ending Ooh, yeah like she does come into all these powers gets her horn something and then like but she's not satisfied with it, or it's not what she thought it was. And then what? Like, she's only five years old. Horses can live, like, 
in the 25 to 30 range, she's barely an adult. If she's not careful, she's going to be one of those kids who like peaked their senior year of high school and then just coasted for the rest of their lives. Why are you coming at me specifically? Yeah, I know, right? What's <laughs> coming at me? That at least academically for me. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Oh, look, the American school system messed up some more people. Wow. <laughs> I keep thinking about how like Tao replaced the door and Geyser like apparently temporarily changed the guts of the church. And I wonder if they're so accepting of that because they're the church of change. Like they're fine with things constantly being weird and different about that place. Oh, that's a thought. Yeah, I'd wager things are in flux quite a bit for them. It, it might be an ideal not to have anything be stagnant for too long. Maybe that's why it's so empty, so they can like modulate the space for what they need it to in any sort of different scenario, bring other stuff in. It's not about having things there, it's about there being a space where they can do what they, whatever they want. Or, or need to. Interesting. I know, that very like chaotic ethos of wanting constant change is very interesting to me, and I don't know how it's going to play out here. I don't know how much time we're, we're going to be in this place. Because I know in general, interstitial recommends rather short hops between places. So I'm not quite sure what Dan's timing for everything is. He's also suggested to us that we'll be able to return to places. So I don't know, maybe we find this world locus that we're supposed to be looking for that Aura says will become apparent to us eventually, but we need to come back for some reason. Like, I don't know, I'm thinking very adventure gamey right now. Like, we need the AAA batteries from World <laughs> A that'll power the speaking teddy bear in World C. <laughs> that would be like that rigid. Let's get some more King's Quest vibes in the chat, please. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I just had a stupid idea. What if the beast is the locust that we need to find? That wouldn't be surprising Ooh. to me. Okay. We might need to either calm change and or make it agree with us for some purpose before it goes back into the orb it wasn't very clear what we needed to do other than find it too like mm-hmm. we're just collecting data theoretically we shouldn't have to bring anything back it also makes the stakes of existing in these worlds pretty low like if we wanted to we could be i don't know pretty mean all we have to do is find things we don't have to make friends necessarily we're not trying to pick sides in some sort of epic war or something. It's just find something and report it. Find something. But maybe once we do find it, Aura's going to be like, oh, you need to like anchor it using this really esoteric method. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're not giving us the full directions until we find it. It also seemed like they don't even understand what it might be. The use of the data might depend on what the data is. Yeah, we might not be able to fully corral or anchor anything until we see what we're dealing with which is irritating i wonder what would happen because we know that time is passing in some capacity if we were just like actually i i don't know how to go on from here and we should leave this world and figure out what's going on with it later when they're not under attack because <laughs> that could be an option it could be but then we're going to come back and see the entire place has been like raised to the, to the ground that would make it easier to find the center of the <laughs> maybe i, I guess I mean, hypothetically, did, did Aura say that it would be nearby where we landed? It could be on the other side of whatever, like, planetoid or whatever we're on. They did say that it should be near where we were okay. ejected from the teleportation sphere. So, yeah, it should, shouldn't should be too hard. 
I just think it's funny because we have quite a few characters who wouldn't think of themselves as heroes, even if they're powerful. So yeah, abandoning something does not feel outside of the realm of possibility, although it would seem slightly far-fetched for where we are right now. I don't want to abandon Suji. She's my friend. <laughs> she exactly. needs us. Her dad won't wake up. I also feel bad for her dad because culturally for a series, if somebody like wraps their tentacles around you, that's a very comforting thing. I can't imagine that this guy waking up screaming about the beast and then seeing some fish monster with their tentacles around his head is very comforting. Oh, right. That reminds me of like another beat I wanted to talk about involving Smog and a Siri because it did color that link change. Smog was berating, I guess, Susie and indirectly Paw for not having echo herbs around because that's either that or echo screen is what's usually in Final Fantasy to no wrong thing. I've forgotten what the wake up thing is now because echo is for silence. Maybe it is for sleep because it like wakes you up because it's sound, whatever. But they didn't have the Final Fantasy item for waking up around. And he was like, are you going to make me cast the spell that cures all status ailments? Going to make me do an Asuna? And then Asuna was like, I'll just do it. And Smog tried to give her some directions. Because one of Smog's moves now is just, if he gives some guidance and somebody else follows it, they get plus one forward. Kind of like skipping a limit break. But she's like, I'm not going to follow your advice. I'm going to do it on my own. Because she was confused. She had no idea what the hell you were talking about. Those plants. She's never seen a plant up until this point. So (laughs) I think it's also funny that like, if you had taken that, you would have had a middling success. And you had to spend a link to roll higher. So it's just like even more frustrating for Smog to see you stumbling a little bit and have to work through it. Yeah. <laughs> like, why didn't you just listen to me? <laughs> All you had to do was take a night thoughts and chamomile. It's not that hard. <laughs> I don't know what either of those things are, Smog. <laughs> <laughs> what is Pony thinking about Paw's situation? Are they empathetic? Or are they like, you're somewhat humanoid, I don't want to deal with this. She recognizes that Pa's in a bad way, and Susie did give her apples, and Pony loves apples, so Pony, she feels bad more for Susie than for Pa, let's say. Yeah, because Susie's very scared, like, this is very unusual for him, as far as we can gather. We also don't have much of a connection to Pa yet. That's true, he hasn't spoken other than to yell about the beast and then go back into unconsciousness. Not a great way to start a, a dialogue. Talk about first impressions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hopeful that we will all, like, do some weird sleep magic shenanigans, go to the ethereal plane, whatever, and actually have a conversation with Pa. Although I think Dan is a little wary of giving us characters to have links with. Yeah, because, spoiler alert, we have completely busted the link-making system. <laughs> And that's actually important for the memories because they derive their stats from it. So yeah, it's good for Dan to be thinking of how many people he allows us to meet. Because it won't be hard for us to make links with them at all, ever. I mean, yeah, that's that's literally the condition of making a link is you met someone. So it's super easy. The harder thing is locking it because something has to change to make you want to roll again. But making a link is nothing. Oh, especially I should mention because of the memory playbook, the three advancement special move on a seven to nine, when you make a link, you treat it as a 10 plus. So Zach picked that up. So now whenever we roll what would be middling, we have the same as a complete success for making. That's too powerful. It's so good. I like it because yes, it's very powerful, but it's something that affects everyone in a small way. I feel like instead of being like, 
one big tool that character can use. Because it doesn't apply to every role. It's only Link-related making slash changing roles. I, I like the, the moves that sort of gently affect the party in one specific way. So my Link move allows everybody to heal one point if I'm making a Link with somebody you're already friends with, already have a relationship with, which is just nice to have. Yeah, the Dark Link move feels a little powerful by giving you experience, but it does push me to play with the negative emotions in the party because it's when someone else makes a dark link you get an experience and i've been like very much honing on that with pony but i feel like geyser has been doing a lot of my work for me that's true <laughs> that's part of why i initially took the dark link because it's supposed to be a rivalry like oh we're both going to be pushing this party to do the most dastardly things and the series like i'm trying to lighten the mood y'all <laughs> can you calm down kids <laughs> Was there anything during the session that you wish you could have done differently? Not really. Pony was able to make that water fountain perfectly on the first try. Didn't have to re-roll or nothing. So I'm pretty satisfied with last session. Yeah, I'm pretty satisfied too. I got to push some buttons with Pony and Geyser. Got to have, I got to have some juicy, some, some fun things with Slash Susie. Just run around causing a little chaos. Got to make more of a point of respecting spirits and gods by being at odds with the Siri. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think I got some fun moments in and there's nothing else I really wanted to have out of that. Yeah, the only thing I think I would have done differently was maybe interfered when Geyser tore down the door. But uh, Geyser also moved so fast for a Siri to like even think about what the hell they're doing. So I don't know if they would have had time to even think about that. Alright, let's get into the resolution phase, the segment of the show where we each get to say something about the game with no responses. What is your final say on this session, Carolyn? The highlight of Pony's session was getting to do the water fountain magic, but the second highlight of Pony's session was getting to eat an apple. What about you, Alex? What are your final thoughts? Smog and Juice are going to try to do their darndest to make... Pony Nightmare Arc Reality. You can find me on Twitter at Shining Crobat. I recommend checking out the film Loose, L-U-Z. Very rare that I find Latino representation in queer media and with two bi men where it isn't somehow like framed so that you're supposed to think that one is actually gay or something. And it has some interesting subversions of queer film tropes and mafia film tropes, if you're interested in that. The movie starts in a prison cell that the two main characters share. And for myself, I really want Asiri and Smog to have a little heart-to-heart chat session. I do have stronger machinations for that, but I will leave it as I want them to make up a little bit because Asiri doesn't like the negativity. So she's going to try to smooth over some of the wounds we've caused inadvertently. You can find me by walking into that ring of mushrooms down by the stream over there. Just go right inside. By the way, may I have your name? This has been Resolve, an afterplay show. You can find us online at most social media sites at Resolve AP. Except Instagram, which is at Resolve Afterplay. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. 
You can buy the game we're playing, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined from its creator, Riley Hopkins, at linksmithgames.com. All links will be in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. We end our turn here, so now it's your turn. Tell us what's happening in your game.